0: the last episode where Jason Swank shares three simple steps to growing an eight-figure digital agency? Hey everyone! This week we're giving away a six-month subscription to LeadQuizzes.com valued at three hundred dollars. LeadQuizzes helps you create interactive lead generation quizzes to help you grow your email list. This is the same software I used to generate over twenty thousand leads for my business in two thousand seventeen. For a chance to win, subscribe to the podcast. Then take a snapshot or picture showing you're subscribed and text it to 716-218-8981 or email it to growthexperts at yahoo.com. Now let's get back to the show. Welcome back everybody and thank you for joining me today. Today we have another amazing guest. His name is Michael Gianulis. I think I pronounced it right. So Michael is... You know, a serial entrepreneur who develops systems to help other entrepreneurs run multiple companies without having to be there. So this is going to be really interesting to me because I own multiple businesses. His companies are on track to do over $25 million in gross revenue in 2018. And he has also been on a popular ABC reality television show called Extreme Weight Loss, where he lost over 255 pounds. So that's probably an entire podcast of its own, but I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about that.
1: So welcome to the show, Mike. Hey, thank you so much. Glad to be here. And good job. You said my name right, so you win a prize.
0: <laughs> Giannullis, right? Is that the per- yeah. cra- oh,
1: perfect, perfect, perfect. Very good. Very awesome.
0: Good. Awesome. Well, listen, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me. We met through a mutual friend, Tom Schwab. So happy to have you on the show and learn a little bit more about what you're doing. But before we dive into the interview, I can't help but take a minute And talk a little bit about your reality TV show experience. I mean, you lost 255 pounds. I mean, that's like losing two people.
1: Yeah, it's, it's. I know, I I look back and I can't even believe that was me. But yeah, I mean, growing up my whole life, I was always pretty big. I was like the big kid in school. And then as I got older, I just got bigger and bigger and just had a lot of uh, weight struggles. And I ended up being, I think I was, I think I was around the age 28, when I tried out for, for the show, I had heard about it and out of, I think they said over 10,000 people tried out, they picked eight people and I was lucky enough to be one of those eight. And so I got to be on the show. I worked with a guy named Chris Powell, who's just an awesome guy, him and his wife, Heidi. They were just incredible throughout the whole experience. It was a year. It took a whole year of time. We did it from, from home. So it wasn't like they go to a... Um, Place or a ranch and get, you know, in there for three or four months. It was, it was like actually done from home. Um, we exercised five hours a day, sometimes six hours a day. We did that about six days per week. We only had off Sundays and um, it was probably the most intense year of my life. And, and I started at 493 pounds. My biggest, I was as big as 540 pounds. And I know that because I had to weigh on a hospital freight scale behind my, uh, My mom worked at a hospital and I knew they had a freight scale there. So I would actually drive there and that's where I would weigh in at. So when the show began, I had lost some weight. I was, I was down to 493, went throughout the whole time, just, you know, you know, doing the things that I was taught and following the system. And I was able to lose, you know, 255 pounds in a year. And I ended the show at 238 pounds. And to keep it short you know, I would love to, to dive into some cool strategy stuff. I've kept the weight to, at this point I'm down to two hundred and five pounds. So that's as small as I've ever been. I didn't keep the weight off the whole time. It has some ups and downs, but there's a whole other story. But at this point in my life, it's been about since the show ended, it's been about seven years. And um I've been able to maintain the weight that, that I'm at now for about a year and a half now, straight or so. So it's been pretty awesome. I really love love my life now. And the show was a huge, huge part of that in getting, you know, getting on track.
0: Well, congrats on that. That's fantastic. I mean, we've all seen those shows and a lot of them literally blow my mind because you'll see one person at the beginning, not only their size or their shape, but their attitude, their demeanor, their smile, everything. And then you see the person at the end and you can just see what a huge impact it's had on them. So Congratulations. And I'm sure you inspired a lot of people to do the same. So now if you you could do me a huge favor, let's dig into the business, right? Let's talk a little bit about Mike. Let's put the business hat on and talk a little bit about that. So take a minute and tell my audience a little bit about your business, a little bit about what you got going on over there.
1: Yeah, sure. So I own multiple different companies. Um, They all kind of are in the same vein of things, So I have like a very, very private consulting practice. I really don't take anybody on with it right now actively. I call that Achieve More International. That's something that's sort of a back burner project for me. Right now, I actually set structures up so I I, I consult for some of the other companies that I own or companies that I partner with people. So that's kind of my partnering company, if that makes sense from a technical perspective. Then I have a company called PIX, PIX Marketing. And what that company is, that's like your, I hate to say the term old-fashioned, but it's in a sense an old-fashioned ad agency. So we go out, we find different clients, and we just run ads for them. But we put a very unique spin on it in that we really dialed it in to a certain type of advertiser that we want to partner with. And what we've done is if you do the what we, what we call the free event model. So a lot of companies, especially if they sell like stock investment trading or real estate investing, any kind of thing like that, we've um, specialized in how to fill those free events up through Facebook ads. So we, we do quite good at getting cost-effective registrations. And then we get people to come out, and it'll be the ads like, "Hey, we're coming to your town. We'll be there you know Tuesday through Thursday at the holiday inn, you know, so people come out to those things, and those guys have a, a very, very good sales process that take people from the free event all the way to their higher back end uh, programs. And what we found out, we found a really, really good guy that teaches business owners how to build systems for their you know like people like real estate agents, financial people, mortgage brokers, any of those those types that need to get a better online presence, he teaches them that. So, we actually set up a partnership deal where we actually put the funding up on the ad spend. So, instead of just being an ad agency where we just get a percentage of the ad spend, we actually we fund it ourselves. We run all the ads, we fund it all, and then we get a piece of the back end sales. So it's almost so like a JV,
0: right? I mean, in a lot well, of it's ways. almost like a JV. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. So you and got skin in the game.
0: It, so you're they're really, exactly. you're like true partners.
1: Yeah, and, and I tell you, that's really helped a lot because if you were going to look for someone to promote your thing for you, would you want the guy that says, yeah, pay all the ads and pay us 15% of what you spend and we get paid no matter what? Or someone that says, hey, we're prepared to cover the ad spend for you and we'll wait for two months before we get paid because we, we know it's a two month sales cycle. And, you know, that just kind of helps us, you know, be a different competitor in a sense. Right. Sure. Um, and, and so, and then for us that produces higher profits too, because we get more of a back end piece because sure. we're funding it.
0: Definitely you know? differentiate you in the marketplace because very few people yeah. are going to do that unless they really feel like they have the chops to make it work. Right. Cause you got all that money in it. And so, yeah, that's a huge differentiator. That's awesome. That's great. That's a great, great business model. So have you guys raised any money or are you bootstrapped? I mean, how did that work? So
1: everything we've done has been bootstrapped. You know, we we haven't raised anything. So I've got the Pix company and then I have my other company, which is BPO USA. And and that's the company that's really, really gotten, gotten big. And we're a publisher. So we publish other people's content and help them productize whatever they understand. So whatever they can teach people, we've kind of begun that whole process. And to go back to the finance question, yeah, so far we haven't raised any funds. We're not opposed to it because we're at a stage now where we've got a really good system in place, a really good model, and we can talk about that because that's something that I think more companies should have That with, with how we've set things up. But the biggest thing for us has just been getting All the ducks in a row in order to go out there and perhaps raise some funding. And the only reason we would raise funding is just to speed things up. We can get there now as we are, it just will take a little bit more time. So if we did raise funding, we could hire a lot more people faster and just kind of speed up everything.
0: Sure. Now, you just touched on something that was very interesting. And I think I want to let's peel the onion back a little bit because I think this is a good direction. So you talked about how you have a very good system and I know how important systems are to starting a business, growing a business, scaling a business, going from six figures to seven figures to eight figures. You know, I've been blessed to do that in my own businesses, but that's that's kind of like the holy grail for most people. So can you talk about that, that systemized approach that you've taken to build your own businesses and now that you're helping other people to do the same? Can you talk to me a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, so I think the very, very first thing that I'll say is so many people don't try, they don't set out to create a business. They set out to create a glorified job. And maybe that's okay to start with. You gotta start somewhere. But most everything that I see being sold, being taught to people, it's all about the get out there and grind, hustle every day, call 50 people a day, make this sale, do this, do everything. You know, and the sad thing is, is that's not the strategy to go to seven figures. It's definitely not the strategy to go to eight figures. You may be able to get to seven depending upon your price points, but you're going to be just exhausted, run down, beat down, and it's going to not be fun. So, and it's easy for me to say that now because I've done the things that I've done and I don't fault anyone for starting where you you have to start. So I'm not saying don't because I think it's in some way you have to begin with this attitude of I'll do whatever I, ha- I have to. But the bigger picture is, you know, from the start, you've got to make sure that everything you do, you have to view everything that, that you do as a job. And it's someone else's job, right? Right now, you may be doing that job, but it's not your job. That's a job in your company. And you need to begin to break it down and say, what is this? If I was doing this as a job, how would it look? And I've done this. I write down. I do this. I do a, B, C, D, and E. And that's a job. Now over here, I do A, B, C, D, E, and that's a job. And I begin to break down every component of what I do is broken down as a job. And once you start thinking that way, you'll pretty quickly see, okay, wow, well, I'm actually doing five people's jobs. And if you're being honest, you're probably doing four of those jobs pretty bad, you know, which is fine. You, you, you only have so much time. You've got to look at what are the jobs that I do that are producing revenue, because revenue producers are probably going to be towards the last of the things that you're going to give up. So there's kind of three categories, right? There's revenue producers, there's revenue savers, and then there's probably just kind of admin jobs that just kind of have to be done, but they don't necessarily affect revenue, like things like taxes and the financial side, right? Revenue p- savers would be things like customer service. So you can, you know, if you have a, a faster response time, you can save some refunds, right? You know, those kind of things. Or if your if your product fulfillment is extra good, people will be happier. It'll it'll not you won't get that bad review online. You know, like those kind of things. Those things can save you. You want to begin by by outsourcing or getting rid of the kind of, you know, revenue neutral jobs that can just be done by someone else easily. It's especially like getting a CPA, getting some kind of an admin of assistant to dump those things on. And then you want to go up and say, okay, who, who could help me save revenues? I want to help with that. I want to find those people. And once you've got those people, now the, the people that are the toughest to find always are revenue producers because either they're doing it for themselves or they're doing it for someone else and they're, and they're getting paid quite well. Most of the time, revenue producers are going to want a piece. And what are these types of people? Well, salespeople, Advertising people, so people that write the ads that generate traffic and people that sell that stuff. I've, you know, and, and so that's really a systemized way of going about how you're gonna roll things out. I look at a organization and I think about the fact that to grow it from six figures to seven to eight, you know, it, it takes hard work, right? And I, so I, I use the acronym, and it's a great picture, Of, you know, guys, we got to grab our mops and get to work. And I say that word because those are really the four components. That acronym is the four components that it takes to scale a business. So M-O-P-S. You need marketing. It's got to be really good. And it's got to be able to to go wide. You need operations, which is the day-to-day customer service, all the things it takes to run as a company. The P is product and fulfillment. You've got to have that because if you get all the other things right but your product's not that good or the fulfillment or the experience of that product isn't that good, you're going to really, really struggle. And then the S is sales. You've got to have sales. Now, you also need financing. You, you need some other things. But until MOPS is really, really dialed in, you're not going to have a real company. And sometimes people ask me, well, what's the difference between marketing and sales? And what I say to people now is marketing gets the attention and sales gets the money, right?
0: Yeah, that's and perfect.
1: It, it's, a, it's a great way to break it down. So MOPS is such a key. And, and the funny thing is, uh, and I don't know, this popped in my head one day, and I'm sure someone's thought of this, but why it took me so long. The answer to how do you scale a company is hidden in the word itself, scale. We always talk about we're gonna scale this thing up, we're gonna scale this thing up. When you picture a scale, what's that mean? It means balance, right? So if you look at it, you have to scale each of those components simultaneously in a balanced fashion. So if you crank up marketing too fast and you don't have the operations or the product side or the sales side, you're going to tip the scales, and you're going to end up with all these leads that don't get worked properly, and you're going to waste ad spend. If your operations aren't there, and you crank up everything else, you're not going to be able to support those people. You're going to end up with complaints and refunds and problems. If the product's not there, then you're just done. You know that you you won't. Go anywhere. Yeah, the and ship's then finally, sinking. <laughs> yeah, and then, and then same thing, if you, if you crank up your ads, if your customer support's awesome, you got the best product you've ever seen, but you can't sell it, then guess what? You're done again, right? So the real answer to scaling is to look at those four pieces and make a plan for if I crank up one, what else has to crank up at the same time? So that's the thing that we deal with all the time. Okay, if we're gonna increase our daily traffic from, say, a ten thousand dollars spend to a twenty thousand dollars spend, all things being equal, that means we're going to we're going to probably have to double the amount of salespeople, which means we're going to have to also probably add, you know, say three or four more support people, which means we're going to have to also make sure that our product experience is even more automated, so we're not crowding the support desk. Yeah, right. Absolutely. So all these things. So it's kind of like you look at it. And you see it as, okay, everything has to be done in tandem and and they're connected, right? So that's really a systemized way of viewing it, you know, that you, but what I always tell people is you you almost, when you're getting started, so now I'll scale it way, way back. Let's go back to like, it's just you in your house, right? And that's how I started. Well, you've got to get the, you know, let's just say if a business is the, Let's see. If a business is the alphabet, I hear a lot of people will ask me, "Well, how do I do?" You know, J. J is where I'm real stuck. But I talk to them, and they're and they're on A or B, right? And so it's like, don't even be thinking about J. Don't even be thinking about Z, for God's sakes. Start at A and get that one thing to fix. So a thing that we go to that we go through whenever we scale or whenever we roll out a new product line or a new brand is. We always deal with, okay, one, can we create a front-end offer that people actually want to buy this thing that we're going to sell? So we have the idea for the product, and we think it's good. Now, will people actually spend 49 bucks or 90, or 99 to learn more about that thing? Let's just go see, and we'll go and we'll test it and say, wow, that one did great, or no, people don't care about this at all. Maybe we got it wrong, so let's try it. Let's tweak this. And finally, suddenly we'll get we'll get something. Hey, this works. We're bringing in five or ten people every day. They're going through the product. Oh my gosh, who's going to be the support people for this? So then my support guy started saying, Hey, I'm getting questions asked about this product. I'm not quite sure the answer. What should I do? So then up suddenly we've went from A to B. Now we're on to B. And it's all about how do we fill in the gaps? OK, so this is where you download it. This is where, you know, this is how you reset your password. If they ask about X, Y, Z, here's the answer. Let's start creating responses for the same stuff that we get asked. And then suddenly n- now it's OK. Well, we have these back end products that go with that front end. Can we sell it? Can we actually sell it? And then our sales guys start to sell and they're testing out scripts and we're running it back and forth and we're talking to the customers finding about out what they like, what do they want, what do they think they want, and can we actually make a bigger package sale to these people of either more of what they got or some kind of other form of it? And then we maybe start to sell it. we got one, we got two, we got three. Awesome. Well, shoot, now are we doing a good job of fulfilling on what we just sold? So then it becomes, okay guys, we've sold them on this this and this. How good of a job are we doing on that? So now let's say we're at D, E or F. And so now the focus becomes okay. Let's make sure that we're fulfilling in the best way possible, right? So that's pretty much how we roll out the brands. And I don't want to make it sound like we don't know what we're trying to do at all. We have a pretty good understanding. But whenever you're on the front front lines, you don't really know until you sell it how it's all going to shake out, you know? Yeah. Especially that first, you know, I would say the first like 100 customers. You're you're still figuring out, and and that's why we we often give them a lot of extra stuff. We'll give them extra sessions or extra coaching or free access for a year, like, you know, when we're, 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 we're in that test out phase point. But that's basically what we end up with is we fix the problems as they pop up.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know? and, that's, and that's the key to having a framework. What you just shared with me was your framework for going into any business, evaluating where they're at, finding their strengths, finding their weaknesses, and then rolling out that system in a very systematized approach that allows you to scale any product any service up now some offers are going to scale better than others some companies are going to be nine figure businesses some companies no matter how hard you push it might only be a seven figure business but the point is is you can take them from point a to point z in a systematized approach and that's really what i took from that and where you started what was what was really interesting mike is this is that you started with something that really hit home with me you said most people that start a business, right? Most people that start a business really aren't starting a business. They're starting a high paid job. And I totally agree with you. And you know, it becomes, comes down to that control factor. They're either they're control freaks and they won't give up control or they don't know how to give up control or they don't know how to outsource. They don't know how to hire. They don't know how to train. There's a whole variety of reasons why people keep those things under their vest and keep them close and they're never able to scale. And, you know, I remember when I started my logistics company, I started a third-party logistics company back in 2003, and I was coming off the heels of a dot-com company that had unfortunately failed during the dot-com bubble. But at that time, we grew to seven figures really quick. The problem was, is that everything had to funnel through me, right? I was the pivot point for everything. I had to touch every deal, every piece of paper and everything that happened. Part of that was my own problem, but part of that was the system that I had developed So when I set up that third-party logistics company, I swore that I was never going to do that again. So from the very outset, I designed it with that in mind. And so one of my things was, is I I wanted to be able to sell that business in the future. And what that meant is I did not want to control the revenue, right? I did not want to be the guy that controlled the revenue because when somebody comes in and and evaluates the value of your business, they look at, well, is the revenue going to go down when he leaves? Who controls the revenue? And so- when I sold that company, we grew that company to over 80 million in sales. When I sold that company, I controlled zero of the revenue. Zero. I didn't that's have. That's awesome. And so it was easy for me to step aside because I had built those systems and those people. So that really resonated with me. I thank you for, for going into that process. I think that'd be very, very helpful. There was a lot to unpack there. So people might have to rewind yeah. this a little bit, but yeah. that's okay. That's okay. I'm, you, you definitely over delivered there. So quick question. Share with me, you know, we've got a few more minutes here because you really took a big bite out of the apple there. But if you had to point out what's one of the biggest mistakes, say, number one, take one minute and talk about the biggest mistake that most entrepreneurs make when they're trying to scale up.
1: Yeah. I honestly think the biggest mistake, and I mean, there's a bunch that pop in my head. I'm sure I'm trying to pick just one, but I think the biggest thing is, and it kind of goes with what you just said, is what you have worth scaling. You know. So before you really scale, you need to really do a valuation of all the different pieces of your company. And before you start scaling and spending more, you've got to make sure that you're at least covering the, you know, each of the four um, mops and that you're also like you brought up not putting yourself as a bottleneck. Because if you scale it's gonna be almost like building yourself into a wall. And so you're just building this wall around yourself. And as you scale, you're building everything around you. And a lot of people will say, well, I don't build systems, I just do what I do. The reality is everyone builds systems. And so maybe your system is that you do everything. That's the system that you, that you, you have. And if you scale with that, unfortunately, humans, for one, we don't, we don't last forever forever. So it's not scalable and it's not repeatable. And two, we burn out. No matter how passionate you are, if you do something, if, if the weight of your entire company is on you, the more it grows, the more it'll um weigh and the harder it'll get. So you want to make sure that you have something, that you're bringing in the right people at the right time. And you do that by making sure that what you have is not contingent upon you doing everything. And I say that even to myself because I'm getting to the point now where I'm, where I'm kind of like where you were, how do I get myself out of every revenue generator activity, which is hard because that's kind of my specialty. Right. So, but I've begun now to bring in more and more people on the ad side. We've got the whole sales side done. So it's, it's, it's all about, you know, I ask myself every day I wake up and say, how do I fire myself? Yep. Absolutely. And that's, that's probably one of
0: the most powerful questions you can ask. I'm glad you mentioned that. So really quick, one more question here, focusing in on more on your business itself. What's the number one strategy that you're using today to get new clients? Because I know it evolves over time when you first start out versus kind of a middle market to a larger company, six figures, seven figure, eight figures. What's the number one strategy you use to get new clients for your business today? Whether that be PIX or BPO or whatever framework yeah. you want to put around it.
1: So basically there's two, I guess in a First I'll start off by saying with our company structure, we have two clients. So our one client type is basically what I would call our brand experts. Right. And these are the people that we sign deals with to sell their products, their services. Sometimes they already have stuff. Oftentimes they don't. They're just experts and we meet with them and we build out different price point products, different coaching packages to go along with what they have. So in order to find those people, it's been a lot of that's been been on me, but we haven't ever really went out and advertised yet because we're doing that in a very controlled fashion. But I basically look around online and I buy all kinds of people's products that are in the spaces that, that we're into. And what what we're into is what I call alternative investment strategies. So this to me includes starting an online business, cryptocurrencies and, you know, weird, unique investment strategies, anything that people can make income with from home or in some alternative way. Cause I firmly believe in kind of the, the premise behind our whole um, structure is that the world's getting harder and harder to just have a job, you know? And so the way things are, I think that you're going to have to find these alternative strategies to not necessarily to like, get rich, so to speak, but even just to be able to pay your your expenses. you know, That's why we see things like Uber and Airbnb and all these kind of things coming up. And I think it's only going to get way more extreme. So on that side, we do more of a personal approach. Like, hey, we found this guy. He has this course. We bought it. It, it seems cool. You want to talk to him. Or I get people re- that are referred to me. Or I find stuff. I buy their stuff. I kind of see where they're at. And it has to make sense to be able to be scalable to a wide audience. That's why anything where people can make more income is a very, very broad audience. On the flip side, we generate those customers. So when we create a brand, we go out and we now have to create offers to attract those types of people. So we do a lot now with Facebook ads where we give away maybe some free content. It isn't really anything like earth shattering. We give away some free content and we also hook people up with a certified or a a company centric or whatever brand they're in, a brand coach. And that coach is basically like a consultant who takes them through the content that they now have access to and they help them decide is what you have enough or do you need further help? Do you need help to get a site built to sell whatever it is you're going to sell or do you need help? with some individual coaching sessions. So we have different packages for where people are at. And we kinda know, percentage-wise, who will buy what. So we basically create what what I call like a VSL, which is a video sales letter. We create a lot of online offers. So everything we do is pretty much online. So we buy banner ads, we do email, we do the Facebook ads, we do Google. And all those lead to basically sales presentations that get people excited to spend maybe 49 or so to kind of get in and learn the info. And with that, they get the coach who helps take them through it, answers questions, and leads them to a consultative sale on the upgrade. Just to give you an example, our current brands, we have a brand that teaches you how to start or grow your own e-commerce store using Shopify. We have a second brand that we're rolling out now, and that brand is, teaches you how to be a real estate investor. And then we've got some brands c- coming down where we're, I'm in talks with people. One of those brands is teaching right now, I guess every day, 10,000 baby boomers are retiring and a lot of them own businesses that they kind of built them around themselves like, like we've talked about. And they don't really know how to get out of them. So a bunch of them just kind of turn them off. They just kind of shut things down. They might have a staff of three or four people. And they tell everyone, hey, sorry, we're going home. And that's it. I've met a guy that specializes in buying those businesses, fixing them up, applying systems, then going around and reselling them. So we're we're kind of rolling out a whole brand around that structure, too. Interesting. it's very cool. Like I, it's, it's In a weird way, I've built a company around my passions. All the stuff that I love, like real estate investing, cryptocurrencies, e-commerce, online business, buying and selling companies, those are all like my passions. And I finally found an umbrella to bring them all under, you know? That's perfect. And so it's, yeah.
0: Awesome. Well, let's do a little bit of rapid fire here on the next couple of questions in 1 minute or less. What's your favorite growth tool or software that you use in your business today?
1: I love Evernote, Evernote. for just writing things down because I pop things pop in my head all the time and I spit them out yep. on there.
0: And what's one book that you would recommend to my audience?
1: I think old classic book Think and Grow Rich, but I think everyone says that one probably. So, um if I could think of one more I get the other book that I would like a lot for a sales perspective. is a book called Think Bigly. And it's this really, really weird book, but it teaches kind of the campaign strategies of the, of the Trump campaign and how they pulled off like the biggest upset ever.
0: What's it called? So think, it bigly? How. think Bigly? I think Bigly?
1: Think, I think it's called Think Bigly. Yeah. B-I-G-L-Y.
0: Perfect. Well, listen, that's going to pretty much wrap it up for today, Mike. But how about you share one piece of parting guidance and then let everybody know how they can connect with you?
1: Sure. So the advice I always like to give people that I say all the time is life rewards those who take action, not those who take notes. So you want to get out there and do something. You can write down everything and, and you can have the best theories ever. But if you don't actually go take action, then you're really not going to achieve the success that you want, you know. So that's my advice. Life rewards those who take action, not those who take notes. And to reach out to me, uh, it'd be great if you want to say hi to me. Um, I, I keep a site online that I've kept online since 2006 called onlyonemike.com. That's O-N-E, onlyonemike.com. And I have a special gift for everyone here on this podcast. If they go to onlyonemike.com slash growth experts, so onlyonemike.com slash growth experts, I'm giving away a book that I wrote called How to Obliterate the Blank Page. And it basically will teach you how to write when you want to convince someone to buy your product or service or to call you or to do, to take some form of an action. My book shows you how to do that when starting from scratch. It asks you a series of questions and it shows you how to write a converting piece of what I call sales copy in order to make that sale. And it's free for anyone that goes there to that site now.
0: Awesome. That's very generous. Thank you so much, Mike. I appreciate your time. I'm sure we'll be talking again soon. Have an awesome day. Thank you. Listeners, I want to thank you for tuning in. I truly appreciate your time. If you're enjoying the podcast, then do me a huge favor. Click the subscribe button now and please leave me a review. It would mean a lot to me.